Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. We are... Okay. So we are officially live. Today is October 13th, uh, and we are on Reflection Artist Live, episode number 48. Today's special guest is Andy B. Cool out of Naples, correct, Andy? Yeah, Southwest Florida. Southwest Florida. South Florida, Floridian, another Florida detailer in the house. I've known Andy for quite a few years. Uh, great guy. He's been in the industry for 16 years, or I should say in business for 16 years, and then on the industry side for eight. And he's played a couple different roles and wear, you know, wore a couple different hats with, with some different brands. And he's made a mark in, in helping revolutionize a lot of things with detailing, which is awesome. So we want to dig in to get to know Andy and, and his path in the industry and where it all started. So I want to thank you, Andy, for coming on and taking the time out today with us. And uh, I'll hand over the floor to you and you can let me know how this wonderful world of detailing got started for you in those early years. <clears throat> well, thanks for having me, man. Uh, uh, really happy to be here to, to help spread uh, some of this knowledge. Um, so essentially for me, uh, I was working for somebody else a long time ago and uh, he didn't want to have employees. He wanted to 1099 everybody, which uh, uh, would, would require you to have a business license and your own insurance and all that good stuff. So, uh, he had me go out and get all my insurance and my, my license. And, um, so back up. So you're telling me when somebody gets 1099, they have to have their own business and insurance. Is that correct? correct. Yes, okay. sir. That's so everybody's listening how that works. Yeah. And that's on you as the employee. So if you're getting 1099 and don't have your business license and stuff, that's on you. You can get in trouble, not the employer. Oh, so you can get a fine or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yep, oh. yep. Um, so, yeah, so make sure if you're being 1099 that you have your own uh, your own credentials. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so I went out, got all that, uh, and uh, he was like, okay, well, now I want you to go out and find some business, and you can just pay me a percentage off of what you make. And I said, well, that doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, you know, I was like, if I'm going to go find my business, do the work, then I'm just going to keep the money. I mean, why would I pay you? I could see it being different if he was like, I'm going to find you work, you're going to do it, and then, and then you get a cut. I'm, okay. Yeah, you're, putting, you're putting the legwork in from start to finish. Everything. Yeah, yeah. You can't, you can't do everything and, and then still be paying out. So um, I just went out and found my own shop. I said, look, you know, I was like, I have my own business now. I, I, I don't need to do work with you. Uh, when I got my own shop, um, and it progressed pretty fast from there. Um, I was uh, across the street from an RV park, so uh, they saw they saw me working. Came over, asked me, you know, this, that, and the other thing. So I started getting into tons of RVs, um, but I didn't really have the vehicle to to be going over there and working on them because I was driving like a Hyundai Elantra, you know, a little <laughs> tiny little car trying to detail RVs. So you know, where are you gonna put these ladders and stuff? Um, but I, I made do. Um, I did that for, you know, about six months and I got, I got, I got myself a, a truck so I could, you know, take ladders and everything that I needed. Um, and then I essentially just went mobile. Um, I was like, I was doing so much RV work and I was neglecting my shop that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to get rid of the shop and just go completely mobile. So I did that for, uh, seven years. Uh, I went mobile and, uh, you know, after a while, as you get older, you just kind of go, Hey man, you know, this is not for me. I want to, I want to go, you know, sit in the lap of luxury you know, if we're working hard at least i get to do it and you know in the air conditioning um so i started hunting down shops uh moved into a, a small shop with you know one one bay i could fit two cars in there stuff them in there but you sure as heck weren't going to be working on them um and then uh and i just uh, progressed up until now like i'm in 2500 uh, square feet we can work on five cars comfortably at a time and uh you know the rest is history so with that seven years that you spent on the road, were you still tackling a lot of big vessel jobs like RVs and Marine or how, what was your approach that's to that? That's basically all we did was RV and Marine just because, you know, a car to go to a car in someone's driveway, uh, just the money wasn't there, you know? So uh, we focused heavily on the Marine. We did cars here and there, 
but it just it just didn't pay enough and make enough financial sense for us to go to, to, to go and go after cars a lot. Now with the marine work, you know, because you started mainly doing RV, how did the marine work come along? Where did you start catching on to that with with meeting people and getting that under your under your wing with getting those jobs? <laughs> well, essentially, kind of like the marine and RV uh, 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 business down here, kind of goes hand in hand because a lot of times what happens is. Uh, 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 someone will, will will drive their RV down here, um, park it at a at a, at a luxury uh, RV park, and uh, and then have a boat down at the marina that they can you know go go down to and you know do their boating thing while they're down here also. So, um, and it was just a lot of just beating the streets, man, and just talking to people. I mean, it's uh, w- what I beat into my guy's head on a day to day basis is building rapport with everyone you see. You know, get them to remember you. Uh, ask about you, talk about you, just, you know, do something memorable, you know, that, that way, you know, even if they don't use your service, uh, they'll be like, if they hear someone's in need of a service like yours, they can be like, oh, you know, this guy, Andy, you know, he, he's, he's a guy to talk to, you know, so just a lot of beating the streets, man. And just the word of mouth is really the only way I've ever built my business. That, and of course, like you just said, a good impression, leaving an impression on them. So they know when, they may not use you immediately, but later down the road, if they want to, you've left such a good impression that they remember you. Yep. You wait them out. I've, I've said that a lot, especially with RV parks. You know, you'll have the, the one guy that won't use you. All of his friends do. And then you're just like, well, one day you will. One day your guy's going to slip up and it's going to open the door for me. And once I got you, I got you, you know. <laughs> now, with the services that you were providing at the time, obviously, this probably wasn't in the era of coding. So, how did that change the game for you in regards to your services with, with all those different, you know, with the RVs and the boats? Yeah, it was, it was, it was massive, uh, a massive change for us. Um, and it was, and it was a tough change because it was hard to differentiate a wax and a coating. And when coatings first started coming out, they had all these accolades attached to them by the manufacturers. And that was a really big issue because they wanted to, to, to tout their product as so much better than a wax uh, that, you know, it was, it was scratch resistance. Oh, you don't have to. There's all kinds of crazy stuff people were hearing, you know, scratch resistance. You won't ever have to wash it. Um, it'll stop water spotting. Um, just all kinds of craziness. Right. And as you know, uh, the detailer going, oh, man, this sounds awesome. I would espouse this stuff to my clients without proper testing. And then, you know. Three months after you do your first coating, you start to see where the drawbacks are and, and, you know, and what's actually true about these coatings. So that really made me dive in and start really testing on stuff and figuring these things out before I was going to sell them any longer to the customer. And were you, where, where would you say the category was more successful with seeing that in your, between automotive RV and Marine? Um, so my, my the RV was, uh, was pretty easy for me because a lot of these uh, a lot of these customers um, uh, just wanted wanted something that was super easy to maintain. Um, and with the boat, boat guys are more skeptical about the whole the whole situation, right? Uh, especially being gel coat. Uh, what I found in like with gel coat is that if, if it's a brand new gel coat, right out of the mold, looks great, doesn't need any restoration work, just needs a light polish and a coat. That stuff can last, and it can last uh, upwards of two years, right? in the marine environment. But if it's a boat that's been oxidized, that has to be restored before you apply the coating, it's just, you can't, I can't give any guarantee and feel good about it. Um, what I usually tell people, I'm like, you can run it for a year, you might just start, start seeing deterioration set in uh, after even six, eight months, uh, just to be realistic and then not oversell the product. And that's kind so, of the way that the marine works anyways with the finish. I mean, most of the time they're used to a short-term finish that they have to consistently revisit, whether it be four months, six months, or every year. Right. And how do you, how do you, how do you justify the cost of doing the coding? That's where we had to kind of figure that one out. And uh, essentially how we justify it is that it's going to slow down that process. And it's the best form of protection we have at this point. Um, we, I sell all my coatings as, as a wax on steroids. Um, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't make them out to be anything, you know, that, that they aren't. I tell people they can run their cars through the car wash. They can do whatever. They can, they can maintain it however they want. Uh, but here's how we tell you how to maintain it. It will last indefinitely if you do it this way. 
Um, but if you, uh, if you run it through the car wash, you might only get a year or two out of, out of your coating. No, that's, that's fair and realistic. And especially with people that, you know, you could talk to them and beat it into them as they come in and initial consultation, get the job done, walk them through it on the end result of picking up the vehicle. And they're still, what did you tell me? How do I maintain that again? Yeah. And it's like, what did I just waste all that time going over all this stuff with you? If you're not going to even re retain it. Yeah. The big thing is managing expectations with your clients. Um, like as far as like the uh, paint correction and coating, you know, there's so many companies out there that are saying, Oh, you have to correct the paint hundred percent before you put this coating on. And like, that's it's durability wise. That's not true at all. Um, no. It's not going to affect the durability of your coating. Um, only thing it's going to, it would be harder to tell if they're washing it improperly, if you don't correct it first. Right. Yeah. Um, but to me, it's like, I had a guy roll in with his wife's uh, new expedition jet black. And uh, he was like, Oh yeah, let's correct it. Code it, do, you know, top to bottom, everything. And I was like, yeah, you know, we're not going to correct this paint. Uh, so your wife's going to run it through the car wash. She's going to beat it up. It's going to, I'm probably going to need to see it within two years and I'm going to have to redo the job. So we don't spend the money on this paint correction because it's going to be the first thing that gets ruined. That's about as realistic. What was his response? Yeah, he said whatever, you know, he told me, he's like, you're the pro. Um, and I, as people say, oh, it's you turning down money. I'm like, yeah, but I'm going to have a happy client. Yeah. And that's, and that's going to come back to me. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I'm the same way at the shop. You know, we have coatings that last longer than five years to say, but well, that's kind of like my stopping point uh, on, on a sales pitch to say, because I just don't feel for most, it's for us as installers and, and business owners, if we maintained it, we know that there could be some realistic results out of that. But well, for a customer, not so much, especially right. on dark color vehicles, because you know that they're going to just get upset with how the cosmetic value diminishes over time because of their yep. care methods. And you have to revisit that. And then when you do, in order to fix all that, you're removing the coating and, and, yeah. and then they're pissed. <laughs> the, well, the, the funny part too is, is, is like, that's another thing that's happening in the industry is like people are acting like these, these coatings are impenetrable and they're, you know, and, and like, dude, the lightest polish and you've destroyed that coating. These things are so microscopically thin. I don't know if most people know, even the even the pros, that you know these things are like a tenth of a micron. People say, yeah, yeah you get two, three microns. Prove it. That's yeah. all I got to say about that. Yeah. You know, these things are so microscopically thin that if you put McGuire's two hundred five on a on a foam pad, you can you can remove it off of the off the surface. Some of, some of them might be harder, but still, you're still going to be able to remove it with a finishing polish and, and a foam pad um yeah. so like uh you can't polish the coating and that's another thing that people say it's like oh yeah you just bring it in and you know give it a light polish and top it i'm like well then you've diminished the the original coating and all you have now is a topper now how do you feel about some of the primer polishes going across with that same method dude primer so i won't i don't ever use them on top but i definitely i use the primer polish on every single job that we do well, I mean, it's like a repair, you know, like getting it in for an annual once a year, two years, and then you just kind of buzz over to clean up the coating, the top without compromising it and retopping but it. I, I, I would, I would say that it compromised it too much. And I, and, and what I was so how we would do is we'd bring it in, we'd use the primer polish again, you know, alcohol wipe it, clean it, make sure it's degreased. We would primer polish it and just put the coating back on, because honestly, we're also looking at this kind of weird too, like. The application of a coating should not be hard and it should not take a long time. And no. that's what I think that, you know, when, it, when coatings first came out, we're like, oh, this is super hard and it's got to be so. Put on yeah, a pedestal. Dude, yeah, me and my guys can put a coating on a car in 15 minutes. I mean, that's, that's not a problem. Uh, it's, 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 it's being pained. It's, it's all the prep work that leads up to it is where all the, the time consumption is. The, the, the coating is just the icing on the cake. Now, let's point this out, too, with you saying that 15 minutes. That is a very true statement. I'm aware of it. However, it's a unique it's a unique method that is exercised through a, something you've discovered. Now you've led people to understand this method, but very few and far between, if I'm correct. And it's something that is more of a uh, invention of your method that you've come up with. Well, a lot of the, a lot of the things I do in the industry, and the reason I think that like the people who know me uh, 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 love me, is because. 
I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm taboo. Like I'm always looking like someone says, oh, that can't be done or you can't do it like that or it can't be that fat, whatever. Like whenever somebody says that that can't happen, I'm the guy to go, well, I'm going to make that happen now, you know? Um, so I've always like, I've always tried to find faster ways of doing things, but we're still achieving the same result type of thing. Um, and just going outside the box. Um, you know, my polishing is strange to most people. My coding is strange to most people. Um, it, it's, but, but as owners um, uh, of a business, we have to become uh, more profitable. And, that, and that's always in my mind is how can I make this faster and still achieve the same result um, and be, be less stressful on everybody type of thing. Now, with, with getting into coatings and you saying, you know, having to basically mention to the customers what, what the difference is between a wax and understanding the values and benefits, how long were you stuck in that same mindset of, okay, the, the paint has to be a, look a certain way and, and then we could put the coating on it? I mean, how long did it take you to you mentally transition into being like, oh, this doesn't have to be corrected and this is the realistic value of the end result? Yeah, it took about three years. Um, and then I was... Um... I just decided, you know what, I'm just going to put some on a hood on my own vehicle. I'm going to paint correct one side, not do it to the other side, and see if I can see a noticeable difference. And, man, I saw absolutely no difference in it. Other than when I looked at it, and that's how I explained it to customers. The only time you're going to notice the difference, like the overall shine of your vehicle is going to be the same exact. If I primer polish it and coat it, or if I paint correct it and coat it. Um, the only time you're going to notice the difference is when you look at under intense lighting, like you see the hood and direct sunlight and you see all those cobweb scratches and fine scratches. Or the gas station light at night. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only time you're ever going to notice the difference because the overall shine of your finished polish is the same. The finished polish and coat is the same shine as the only thing that happened different was the paint correction to remove all those fine scratches. Yeah, that makes sense. And that's what most of the customers see, you know, unless you're getting to be what, you know, what we consider a purist, right? We're removing all that and putting a gloss meter on it and taking technical measurements. And yeah, there's going to be a difference, I believe, with the technical measurements. But is it to the consumer eye that big of a difference? Yeah. Are you making money or are you just looking fancy? I mean, that's that's our problem with uh, today's uh, generations of detailers is we're doing everything for the gram and not doing everything for our pocketbook. And that's the first thing I think about. It's like, you know, I, I, and I can't, I, I can't pull myself together. So many people said, Andy, start a YouTube. Andy, Andy posts more, puts up, put stories on this and TikTok. And um, I don't have time, man. I'm making money. And, uh, you know, I, I guess my next transition is to start doing this more. I really want to get into it because there's certain things that just really irk me in the industry. And I see it all over, you know, Facebook, Instagram, all the little things of just people doing stuff so improperly and then everybody jumps onto it. Next thing you know, it's a fad and you just see everybody doing this process that's totally worthless. And you're like, goodness. I'm like, you know what it is? It's the brushes. It's those really soft brushes. You know what I'm talking about? Everybody yeah. wants to they, oh. froth your, they froth your material, okay? They don't clean. The microfiber is It clean. looks good. It's like a fancy okay. coffee maker. It's still freaking coffee. <laughs> yeah, it looks, I, that, that, that's just it. I'm like, man, I'm like, there's no way I'm scrubbing a door panel uh, with this thing. <laughs> and, and, and no, I mean, this. I, I want to get, the, I'm going to do this door panel in a minute and a half where it's going to take you eight minutes and you're still not going to get a great result. Because uh, and, and the brush should be doing this, not flat doing this. <laughs> oh, God. It, it, it blows it blows my mind <laughs> no but i agree there's there's things... no one to tell people otherwise that's the problem and that's another reason why i think people like me is because i'll be the first person to call it i'll be like man that's bullshit <laughs> i was like don't do that <laughs> in person it's easy to do that but when you do it online then you're a bad guy right oh, no, for, yeah and that's another reason why i don't do it online <laughs> because every time i say something online i'm like you're an idiot what do you know you, you know i'm like you're right. I know nothing. You're, you're just, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Who am I? I you're right. <laughs> I don't even know who I am. You just made me question myself. So now with, with, with everything in regards to your success with the business and you having now time under your belt after about seven years or so of doing well and getting into a shop, how was that first shop experience transition from being totally mobile to jumping back into that shop life? Um, it was pretty good because I, I game planned uh, and, uh, and still to this day, uh, before I transition and make any adjustments to my business, I really plan it out. So uh, the way I had it was I had like a basic exit strategy for the RVs. Um, I brought my brother in and, and let him run all the RV stuff. I stuck to the shop 
for about 80% of the time. Uh, and then um, um, basically just had him working that. So, so they got to used to seeing him out there all the time instead of being me. So they saw him, they got used to him. I did that for about two years. And then, and then I uh, fully turned it over to him. I said, this is all yours. Um, I just wanted to make sure that, that, my, that my, 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 my clients are well taken care of. Uh, they know they can trust you now. Um, and I can, and I can get out of it, you know, and, and still feel good about myself. But also it was also because if I want to go back, if I wanted to go back to the RV market, I didn't just burn all my bridges either. You know, I could, I could walk right back into, into, into any of my, my RV parks and, and, and be, and be greeted, you know, with open arms. Very nice. Now with the trap shop, you transition more into automotive too, correct? Yeah, we we started doing a ton of automotive. I mean, because that's really what it's about, right? Um, we tried to do uh, RV stuff. Um, it's just tough in my in my area here trying to find a a shop that you can that you can stuff an RV in is is, is is not the easiest. And we wanted to be fully air conditioned, and that I could I found some shops that that were huge, and you could fit three or four of them in there, maybe a few boats too. Uh, but just, there's no air conditioning, and you're just going to be this in big a, warehouse. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, we, we want something that is big enough. We could fit an RV. We've been we've had up to like a 36 foot uh, Nortec boat in this shop here, um, but uh, yeah, our, the, uh, the 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 cars are really where it's at for us. We added on the paint protection film uh, just recently, um, and we do a lot of insurance stuff. Um, we do um, uh, dry outs. Cars get flooded pull everything out of the car, dry it all out, you know, decontaminate it, disinfect it. Um, we do uh, overspray removal for a lot of the body shops here. And uh, another good one I try, which we absolutely love is road paint removal. I mean, it's the easiest job. Mike Liebing makes an awesome product. Yeah. Um, yep. all, all you do is we jack these cars up and we just spray the stuff on there and power wash them. We get it off the tires. The wheel, I mean, everything safely and like to, to, to the body shops, we're their savior, right? Um, so like, you know, you know, they would have to replace this tire. Well, how much is a tire on a Maserati, you know? So we, we, we get paid really well for it. And it's, and it's just a pretty easy job. We can, you know, do it in the shade out in the parking lot and, and, and make a killing. Yeah, he came up with a damn good product for that scenario. And it's it's very successful and yeah, being able to not worry about chemical burn and all the existing stuff that comes with some of these other high solvent grade products yep. and being yep. more user friendly for us. It's a win-win. Yeah, it is. And it's not, it's not super like, it's not, you know, it's not terrible with the smell and the odors. So it's, it's easy to use. And, you know, it's like I said, you get it on your skin, you don't feel it eating you up. It's not like lacquer thinner <laughs> where you have to, you have to worry about, you know, melting stuff off. Uh, it does do stuff like we we uh, we noticed it on, on lenses that it will leave like a crust, but it, it, it could come right off with like a light polish. But other than that, yeah, we haven't had any issues with that product. Yeah, when you're removing road paint, there's got to be some adverse, a little bit of some kind of adverse on some type of substrate yeah. or surface, right? Yeah, I think uh, mainly like we, we, we bust up those uh, carpeted fender wells a lot because we use the uh, the. Uh, the, the pressure washer tip is one of those rotating ones. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And, like the concrete that, cleaners. Yeah, that, that jacks up the, the, the uh, what's it called? The, the, the fender liners, the carpeted ones. But other sound than that, dampening I mean, material, yeah. yeah. But other than, I mean, really, no one's ever said anything about it. But, you know, we're, we're realistic. We're like, hey, you know, we can clean this. It's going gonna, it's gonna to look a little frayed up a little bit. Uh, most people are fine with that. So and the biggest thing, like, like with any, any sales, is just, letting your customer know what's going on. Like we had a truck show up this morning. It had scratch. He ran through the, bu the, 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 the bushes and there's all types of scratches, right? Some of them were just transfers. Some of them were through the clear, some of them not. And I said, look, man, I was like, you know, we could we could polish this thing, but you know, uh, but they're not all going to come out. So you have kind of two different options on this one is, is respray the vehicle for, you know, a ton of money or, you know, spend 1500 bucks and we'll, we'll polish as much as we can possibly get out of it safely. So he was happy with that, you know, with everything we do, it's, it's, we do mega yachts and we say, Hey man, you know, this coating is only going to last you a year. You're going to spend all this money right now, but you're going to see us back, you know, next October. And they're like, cool. Right. So if we only got to do it once a year, I'm fine with that. 
Nice. Very nice. Now with, with everything that you have again, built up, where did the opportunity start to come from the inner circle of the industry with having brands come to you and ask to be part of, you know, what they're doing and opportunities there? I don't know if you've ever seen me at a trade show, I'm out there and I ingratiate myself with everybody. You know, I'm just in, I love to talk. I love to build relationships. And, uh, uh, so what had happened was uh, my, my, my first job was with G-Tech and G-Technic. And uh, uh, they had some issues uh, with their original uh, distributorship here. Um, and one day I was calling up to get some product and they said, oh, no, you know, there's no one's answering the phone. So I made a couple, couple calls and they said, yeah, they closed their doors today without telling anybody. They just closed their doors. I'm like, oh, all right. That's great. That's great. <laughs> and, I'm like, and me, I'm like, I'm a diehard and I'm super loyal with stuff. So like, I'm like, I don't, I love the product, I, 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 you know? So I went over across the pond and I started contacting people I knew over there and they end up, uh, the, the, my one buddy started shipping me over tons of products. So I go out online and I say, Hey guys, just so you know, I'm the new distributor for G technic in America. Cause I didn't want to see the product die in the United States. So, so I went ahead and I uh, said that and, uh, uh, was just all over the internet about G Technic. Hey, it's still here if you guys need it, you know, trying to take care of everybody who was using it. And uh, eventually the, uh, the company reached out to me and said, hey, you know, we heard what you've been doing over there while we've been having our troubles. Would you like to come work for the mothership? And you could be our representat- representative there in the United States. So uh, that's what I did. You know, I went over there. They flew me over to England. We did some training over there to make sure I was up to snuff. Uh, and then I came back here and just started building out the network more, you know, um, uh, just going around shop to shop, uh, uh, accrediting people and the, and the, and the products. And, uh, it was fun. It was, uh, it was a really good time. And basically it's just about, cause I got out there and I, I, and I wasn't afraid for people to go, Hey, you're a dummy. I just, you know, talked a lot and, and made friends. <laughs> well, no. And that was when you were able to be on the road and do accreditations on the road, which I thought was really cool because it put you in their atmosphere to understand their, their, issues that they may have or the problems they may have during an application to identify and make yep. it right for them. Yeah. And you can see what they're working with. Cause a lot of people go, Oh yeah, we do it this way. We do it that way. And you know, they, uh, uh, they don't do it that way. They do. No, you they, get there and it's not like that at all. <laughs> well, you know, my favorite thing to do during these trainings were like, cause I, I, and I'll, I do it to this day. Someone calls me up say, Hey man, we're looking to get trained on this, that, and the other thing. And I'm like, okay, what type of machines do you use? like that and then and then okay well you know i use a rotary and i'm like oh okay and I'm, you finished with that yeah 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 okay what kind of products do you use oh we use 3m or whatever it is i judge but that's part of my job i have to i have to get an idea of what you're working with so i'd get these guys who'd be like yeah man i finished with the rotary and i'd be like okay cool make sure you bring that okay if you, if you, you know bring that up when we when we're uh, when we get there so i'd always set up a light stand and I would, uh, you know, get all the products out, put everything out, and be okay. You do this section here and finish out with your rotary, and uh, and then they they would they'd buff, and I'd grab G-Tech's panel wipe, and I'd panel wipe their panel, and I'm like, that doesn't look like you finished. <laughs> and, but you had because most people they think they're just so stuck in their ways, they think they know everything, um, and uh, you know, you, you have to show them, hey, look, you know, I might know something better. You know, I, I'm here as a representative for a company. There, there's a good reason. I'm not, I wasn't a salesman. That was the be- what I loved about it. And that's what I still love to this day is that I'm not a salesman for any of the companies I work for. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just technical advisor, training, uh, real world skill stuff. Not this, uh, not just, Hey, let me sell you something. And, uh, you know, that, that I don't know how to use type of thing. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So yeah, sitting behind a desk and promoting a brand and product from the sales pitch point of view. Yeah, I've seen, we've got a few of those and not to throw shade on them, but we've got a few of those in the industry. Yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah. it's hard to take in when they have product process or knowledge to tell you, it's hard to take that in when you know that they're not out there doing that every day to really test that theory that they're telling you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice to know that the person you're talking to can figure that out. You know, you, you know, if you call them with a problem, then it can be figured out really quick without like, hey, hold on a second. Let me call somebody else and then, and then I'll get you the answer type of thing. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that happens a lot in the industry. Um, um, and that's why I call myself your favorite de- detailer's favorite detailer, because people would call me 
for my advice to give to somebody else. And uh, it happens <laughs> all the time. And I'm like, I'm not going to hate on you for it. Look, I get it. Uh, uh, but it's just, it's just hilarious. Like no, look, that's, that slogan, when you came out with that, that's always been something I'm like, I wish I could just grab it and use it a couple times because there's been so many occasions where I'm like, that would be a good fit if I yep. just put that out there. But that's Andy's. I can't do that. That's his stuff. Yeah, we got, we got a couple guys out there trying to steal my shit. <laughs> yeah. 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 There's a couple of hot chicks in the industry that, 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 that or some guy brought it up. He goes, he goes, people say this is your favorite detailer's favorite detailer. But this is your actual favorite detailer's favorite detailer. <laughs> then your head comes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So now with everything, I mean, you you, you had a great uh, path and uh, track record with G Technic, and then you transitioned to focus back on your business, and then from there, now you're the national trainer for Koshkemi, which is a, a brand new brand to the U.S. for the most part. Yeah. What, what's what's the major role, obviously, as a trainer? But what is the role that you play out in regards to that? Yeah, essentially same thing, kind of like training, um, uh, just helping out the sales staff too, because there again, we do have salesmen that aren't necessarily, uh, you know, well-versed in, in the products themselves and how they, how they get used. So when they have issues, they can, they can call me up and, uh, and get some advice. Uh, going on the road, we're, we're doing a lot of that where we're just going to go on the road, just, just pop into shops. We really want to build out a new network of detailers because that's one thing that we, uh, that we don't see a lot of is um, – it's like a brand like ours having a network uh, that's super responsive to the needs of the client. Um, uh, you know, a lot of times when you uh, you, you, you join into something, uh, you end up getting terrible advice from everybody else that's in that group instead of the the, the main people who really know the product. Um, and that's what we're looking to do is, you know, we want to be able to give advice that actually works. And, you know, you, you've been on Facebook's forums and stuff where you just got every Joe Schmo trying to answer the question. Uh, we want to keep it. We want to keep a forum to where um, only like the moderators are giving these types of answers, you know. And then if, if someone has an, another way of doing it, another use that we can take that into account, we can test that and we can vet that. A lot of, there's so much stuff in, in, in this industry that's not vetted. Um, it's just like someone comes off the top of their head that this is the way they do it. And then, you know, uh, we end up with, uh, with, with a big mess, you know, of, of 10,000 ways to do something and only two or three of them actually working. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And we see that a lot of, with some of the YouTube testers too. I mean, some are, some are good validated resources, but the majority, not so much. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's all about vetting stuff, man, and, and, and having stuff that's proven. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm always a stickler for uh, uh, if I'm going to work for a company, I'm, uh, you know, I'm going to have my integrity uh, is going to stay intact. Um, I'm never going to go to a, a company that I feel like I have to say, hey, this product's great. And it's not, you know, that just to me, I don't need I don't need to work for Kosh Kimmy. Honestly, I don't. I mean, I do really well. Um, I do it because I like to spread knowledge and they're going to allow me to spread that knowledge and, 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 uh, let me be myself, right. Let me be the guy that goes, that's not right. You don't do it like that. Do it like this and, and show you why. And that's another thing that people don't, don't, don't do a lot is they don't show you why, like this whole method of polishing nowadays is all about looking good. It takes forever. We, I could correct a, a four door truck uh, in, in five hours, you know, where it's taking, it's taking guys 12 hours to polish out a car. It's, yeah. it's just all about changing it up and, 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 and improving your, that's why I don't say stuff on the internet. If I, if yeah. I see you in person, I can show you, <laughs> if I tell you on the internet, I'm just a dummy. So that's why let I the, let the buffer be, talk. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's why YouTube videos would be good for me when I can actually just show you the difference um a little more instead of just saying it no that makes sense now obviously a lot of what you know and your knowledge base is trial and error and a lot of r&d you've done in your own time but oh, yeah. you have you know you you personally has also have gone through trainings to acquire continued education and more knowledge as well so tell me i mean as a trainer how important is it for these guys whether they're new or just kind of getting want to be more well-rounded uh, how important is it do you feel it is for training in general? I, I think it's one of the most important things. Um, for that first seven years of my career where I wasn't doing the best, 
was because I refused to think other people knew something. I was like, I was like, oh, I know everything on the man. You're being the stubborn detailer. Oh yeah, for sure. And and it really, it, it really, uh, my my business suffered, my quality suffered, uh, everything suffered because of it. As soon as I, you know, you know, uh, opened my eyes and you know got off my high horse, um, I was able to uh, take in stuff from people all around the nation who are having similar issues, wanted similar results. Um, and it was great. I mean, it's funny how like I would go to people's shops and I would see stuff not to do as long as well as stuff to do. So you get, you get to see every, just getting yourself in a group with other people is always going to make you a, 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 a stronger, stronger in what you're doing, you know, getting around, getting ideas. It's just, it's amazing. Even if you're just going to trade shows, just, just getting out there and just hanging around in person. Cause if you're just on the internets all day, there's only so much you're going to get the out same. of it. You know, and everything breaks down, you know, nobody gets my sarcasm over the internet, you know? Um, <laughs> so like, but in person, everyone's like, oh, that was funny. You know, or at least laugh at you. Um, but yeah, getting out there and just getting trainings and yeah, getting, uh, getting um, uh, into groups with other people in the industry is huge. That just helps you be a better you and have a better business reach overall because then you know you're gonna your, your results you have more confidence in oh, oh for sure and that's it's it, our, our whole business is about confidence if you're not confident that you can do a job or you're, that product that you're using is going to do the job you wanted to do you're not going to be able to sell it like how can you sell pain protection film if you don't believe that it's the best way to protect the front end of your car or, or whatever you know uh, you, you, have, you have to have that kind of stuff that confidence now you said that's a new service that you've added just recently. Yep. Uh, dive into that because I know that you know a lot of guys. This last two years, I don't know if it's due to the pandemic, people looking for other ways of revenue, or if it's just a trend. It's a positive trend, that's for sure. But I'm noticing more detailers are jumping into paint protection film, window tint, and diversifying because it's still in the same wheelhouse to say of bringing in those clients. So, what's your opinion on that, and and why you brought it in? Yeah, uh, so I should have brought it in years ago. Um, I've just been lazy, um, uh, per se. Uh, we were focusing a lot on, on the service side with like these big yachts and these bigger jobs. Um, but it's, it's automotive preservation at its best. Um, and that's what we're looking to do. So uh, I, I, was, I was referring the work out to other people. And what sucked about that is I was always at the mercy of their schedule, their quality. Um, and it, it just didn't work well. So like if, if there was an issue, like where something was lifting on a corner, um, uh, I didn't know how to put it back down. I didn't know how to re remedy that. So I would have to call them, figure out when they could come fix it. It was just, it was just a big nightmare. Um, um, and so I was like, I, I got to start doing this myself. Uh, so I just reached out to a couple different companies, just did a bunch of research, found what I liked and went to training. Um, uh, but I think every detailer should do it because it's, it's a source of revenue. And it goes hand in hand with what we're doing. Um, uh, down here in Florida, we got tons of bugs, um, and a coating's not going to stop bugs. Like no matter what the, the brand says, <laughs> the coatings, if you leave bugs sitting around, it's going to etch that. Well, at least we know if it etches this film, the film can be pulled away and it'll be fresh underneath. Um, so yeah, it's just it's it goes hand in hand. I think every every detailer should get into it. You don't have to spend a ton of money. I think most places you're going to spend probably somewhere about five thousand dollars. Um, but you don't have to buy a plotter. Most companies are going to have kits that you can buy. So you can just, uh, you know, call them up. You got a car in, you call them up, they cut a kit, send it down to you. And you can do like that until you can afford your own plotter. But I think investing that, you know, you know, four or five grand into your business, um, would be huge. I mean, as soon as we did it, we sold, you know, five, $6,000 in the first week uh, of paint protection film. So it, it comes right back. Now, you know, with that type of investment, you're right, that low cost, that low entry is getting your patterns pre-cut and sent to you, right? That's, that's the least expensive way to build yourself up so you can yep. take your margins and, and, and reapply those towards bigger investments, whether it be the plotter or buying full rolls of film. So you yep. could, you know, start getting into it yourself. And as you know, with the film, that becomes pricey because you could be, yeah, between that, gosh, even from 5000 up to like 8000 investing in film, depending upon the roll size and how many size differences you need to purchase, of course. Um, but it's still quite the investment. Now is what about the loss side of it? 
And a lot of people don't talk about that in the beginning, you know, having to pull a panel or a bumper because you don't feel it's good enough or just overstretching. Or, or, you may not be seeing any of that, but yeah, I'm sure you're honestly, aware of that. Yeah, honestly, we haven't seen any of that yet. Um, uh, we haven't bulked a lot. Um, we do have, we, we, we've done uh, mainly kits, um, but no, we haven't had to do that. But I, I, look, when it comes to vinyl, I've wasted eight rolls of vinyl. So I know it's going to happen eventually. Um, we, and when we're not busy, uh, I have my guys practicing. So, so they'll do mirror caps. They'll do hoods. They'll just, we'll just find something to throw paint protection film on. So yeah, you're gonna, there's going to be film that you're going to waste. Uh, the company that I went with, Premium Shield, for that $5,000, you get uh, four rolls of film um, and the trainings included, the three-day training. So uh, you, you, have, you have a lot to... Uh, a lot to work with. Um, uh, they incentivize with joining yep. the team, basically. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the training, the, the training is pretty much free. You're just buying the products and the tools to get started with. Uh, that, that's what they want from you. Um, uh, which you know, everything's an investment. You know, we want we switched all over to cordless machines. We no longer have a corded machine in our shop. Um, that costs a ton of money. But yeah, yeah. Jesus, is it? It's a beautiful thing. I mean, like my one buddy is like, man, I can't see spending six hundred dollars on on a machine. And I'm like, come over to my shop, and you tell me that. He came over, yeah. he used it, he used it one day. He's like, damn it, <laughs> now I got to buy one of these things. Well, I guess you do. Now we, no. have, we have, I think I have eight ten cordless flex machines now. <laughs> and when we do the training, it's funny because I'll give them the traditional thirty four hundred one, and they'll mm -hmm. they'll cut with that, and then. I have them switch over to like the cordless, the new XCE. And then they're like, is this the same machine? And I'm like, yep. And they're like, wow, this thing is smooth. And then they're like, yeah. oh my God, no cord. And yeah, that's a difference. That, that 3401, man, it, it is the original, man. It, it was breathing fire, especially outside. Woo! Your hands would just be burnt up, man. We, we used that thing for years. It was brutal. Yeah. So, so yeah. So yeah, even if you go with the new cord, uh, the corded model of that, I mean, it's still really nice, way smoother. The exhaust comes out in a different spot, so it's not boiling you. Yeah, <laughs> definitely a huge upgrade. Now, going back to Kosh Kemi with everything you're doing as a trainer, are I, I don't, I'm not 100 percent sure, or even if it's something you can mention, are they going to be introducing some kind of coating or something in that category to the U.S. Yeah. with their product lineup? <laughs> Yeah, so so SEMA, we're going to be launching our ceramic all-around COO1 or COO2. It's a new model for America. Um, yep, it's um, it's kind. Of, we're not going to give longevity. We're going to say it's going to be you know probably a three-year product if you want to if you want to put a number on it. Uh, but at the, how we're going to do it is we're going to we're going to be honest. And we're going to say how are you going to maintain your vehicle? How many miles do you drive? Um, you know where do you live? Is it parked outside? Uh, we're going to be realistic about it. Um, we're going to offer a guarantee through our accredited network, of course. Um, but we're not looking to compete with like the upper echelons of like Crystal Serum Ultra and, uh, you know, Seacourse Finest Reserve. Or, you know, we're not looking to be there. Uh, we want something that, that uh, that's more realistic for the market. Honestly, that's what we want. We, uh, that's why I say I got customers that do, will not wash their own car. They won't do it. And they're not going to come to me every every other week to give them a wash job, all right? And I don't want to do it either. So what I'd rather do is have them run it for a year through a car wash, come back in a year, I polish and recoat it, you know? Um, the margins are good for, for, these, for these types of jobs. Um, you don't need to be doing 20-hour paint corrections and seven layers of coating, you know? Um, you need to sell your, your customer on something that you can perform quickly that will last the amount of time that you say it's going to last and, and that they're happy with it. And it becomes more realistic that way. I mean, that's something that I'm seeing this huge transition from, don't get me wrong, these, you know, premium brands that have these top tier coatings that you have to be, you know, certified, accredited, all these things. That's great. Don't get, I'm not taking away from that. But I'm also seeing a lot more lower level single layer applications being pushed out because they're seeing that it's a, it's a better turnaround. They're able to produce more, make more and be more profitable. Well, that, yeah, and I mean, like, like the paint correction takes the most time and costs you the most to do. And it's the most painstaking and it's the biggest pain in the ass. So, it, you know, if you have a customer that 
doesn't want a paint correction, don't start pointing out. If they don't know what paint correction is, don't start pointing out scratches to them. Oh, look at those fine cobwebs right there. No, you're just setting yourself up for failure because you removed them off of his piano black trim. And then one wash later, he's got them again. He's going to be pissed. So you're better off to, to know your, know your audience, sell them on something that, that they can, that, 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 that they're going to be happy with and, and just make your money. Don't, don't try to, don't take yourself out of the equation and think about your, your customer. Yeah. It's just like traditional services before all this correction and coding talk came along when you would, you know, polish a vehicle or just wash wax and send it. The customer was like, Oh my God, over just a wash wax or wash clay and wax. You know what I mean? And they'd just be ecstatic. And yep. that never changed. What changed yeah. was the mentality of the detailer and the ego. Yeah. And that fueled the fire to that whole spectrum of those services and how things now are looked at. Yep. You know, another thing I want to bring up is to wash a car after it's coated for most of these companies is now 10 times harder than it was when you didn't have a coated car. So you got to go through all these processes to wash this car to safely. It just doesn't make sense. It's like, oh, great. So now I just spent, you know, 1500 bucks. Now I got to spend four hours washing and drying my car on the weekends because I got to do, you know, seven, seven foams, three pre-rinses, two bucket method dry it, quick detail it, blow all the cracks. I mean, it, it, it's it, it's an absolute nightmare. It's like, we're supposed to be taking down the level of, ma uh, of of maintenance, right? Like I always tell people, I'm like, I'm like, this will take your maintenance down by about 60, 60, 70%. If you follow, if you follow our care instructions, you're not going to have to maintain this vehicle as much. And that's what pe people love. Because I mean, the whole, yeah, you got a foam can in this thing and then you got to rinse it. And then you got to foam it again and you bucket it. It's just way too much work. People aren't going to do it. No, they don't have the time. Yep. Most people want to do either whatever they're doing for the weekend that they had pre-planned, family, yep. hobbies, whatever it may be, but not, I mean, there's a few that want to spend the time to wash their car. It's and, 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 and during your vetting process, you should be able to figure that one out, right? Bingo. You know, yeah. if someone's like, oh, this is my, 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 my baby, it stays in the garage and I wipe it down with diapers and you're like, cool, you're my, you're my customer for this service. That's, that's the therapeutic customer because they'll take right. the time to listen. Right. You hate your wife. You spend all your time in your garage. Yeah. I'll do a full paint correction for you. <laughs> <laughs> so true on many different levels. Yep. Uh, so as far as, um, you know, we're coming to an end on the podcast, but just a couple of things. Uh, what's, what's going on with you in the shop? I know you had mentioned a couple of things you're renovating. So how's that looking? Yeah. So everything's good. So we're putting a second story onto my office right now. So I have no ceiling. Uh, <laughs> no cap. Um, we're redoing all life. Can I switch this? Uh, can I switch this thing around? Should be able yeah, to. Here we go. All right. Uh, so, so, yeah, we're repainting everything. Everything's getting redone in here. Beautiful. Um, we're redoing all the lights. Like I told you, we're putting like uh, sixty thousand lumens in the in the ceiling. So we have all these lights here. We're gonna double what you see up here, and then put nine more over here on this side. Um, we're doing the the race deck flooring. Uh, we got these, all these white things you see over here are all, uh, all, all LED, pa uh, lit panels. They're going to go all across the walls over here. It's a big mess right now, but, uh, yeah, all this stuff you see here, all these shelves will go up on top of the, the office there. Basically what we're trying to do is get everything up off of the floor. So we'll have like two, two, two stalls here with, with lifts in the floor. Uh, for like our longer term projects, we'll be able to do two more over here. And then this will be one for like our in and out. So we'll be able to do five cars comfortably in here and, uh, you know, be able to keep it nice and clean. Very nice. Yep. Yeah. yeah but like, I said, we're, like we talked about earlier, it's really, it's, it's everything that I make. Um, we re we reinvest back into the business. Now, and you said that you will be attending SEMA this year. Oh, yeah, I'll be there. Matt's looking good for the new product release for, of course, Koshkemi and some other things you guys probably have in store for the event. Yep. No, I think it's going to be great. It's, uh, it's a, I haven't been there in like three years now, so it's going to be nice to, to finally get back over there and, you know, mingle with everybody. Yeah, and it's always nice to visit Vegas, you know. Oh, a yeah, whole week know. of some nightlife. <laughs> I don't do that. <laughs> no, just dinner in bed, you know. <laughs> don't, don't tell my girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> no. So as far as ending everything, um, what advice would you have? I mean, you obviously said a lot, but what advice do you have for some of the people listening at home or on the road that are getting into detailing or, you know, wanted to be at the level that you're at in regards to services and business? Uh, so the big thing is, is um, uh, building rapport with, with customers, people around your area, uh, talking to any and everybody who could, who could, who could use your service. Um, vetting your clients, making sure you're taking on the type of work that you want. Uh, don't get yourself pigeonholed into crappy jobs, um, you know, at, at, at low hourly rates. Um, figure out what you want to do and do that um, and stick to it. I mean, dude, there's been hard times. I mean, 16 years, we've had hard times. But the biggest thing is we, I didn't give up. I just said, I want to keep pushing. And eventually everything turns around. Nice. And then how, uh, give me a couple of plugs on how people would get a hold of you. Uh, you can find me on, uh, on the Instagrams, uh, at the detail freaks. Uh, you can find me on, uh, Facebook, uh, Andy B. Cool spelled just like that. Um, yeah, it's about my only two ways. So you can give me a shout Andy cool, uh, two, three, nine, two, six, five, six, four, three, one. Very nice. Very nice. Well, Andy, anytime, I, I love to talk shop. And then your website. If they want to check uh, it out, uh, the detailfreaks.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Andy, always much appreciated. Always enjoy spending time and speaking with you. Too bad we haven't been able to physically see each other with all these non event things happening. But um, hopefully, you know, going into next year, I won't be at SEMA, but going into next year, Mobile Tech will be able to connect. If I'll, not be sooner. But I'll be thank there. Thank you bro. for being on. And, uh, we appreciate it over at Buff and Shine and everybody that has listened or taken the time to listen. Uh, this is uh, Reflection Artist Live number 48 with Andy B. Kuhl, who is national trainer for Kosh Kemi and owner of the Detail Freaks in Southwest Florida. So, Andy, thank you. Have a good rest That's of your day, bro. I did. Take it easy, brother. I'll talk to you later. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.